Good morning, 9.30 service. It's so good to see you all here today. As we get started, uh, I want to do a little bit of crowd participation. And so you come to church today, usually it's like, no, be quiet, be still. Anybody else grew up in a church like that? No, today we want you to talk, all right? So I want you to talk. Turn to the person next to you and here's what I want you to talk about. Number one, I'm going to just rapid fire a few questions and I want you to answer them with the people around you. So the first question is this. What is the best movie of all time? What is the best movie of all time? And if there's no one around you, maybe kind of shout to the person in close proximity to you. I'll tell you, from, from the sound of it, you all have been waiting to talk in church for a long time. That's great. You're tired of hearing my voice, man. <laughs> all right, so that's, that's the first question. Next, next question, where is the best place to take a vacation? Do you prefer the mountains? Do you prefer the beach? Do you prefer somewhere completely different? Where is the best place to vacation? All right, final question, final question. This one is an important one and I might wanna hear some answers after the service. Where is the best place in Bloomington to get a pizza? Right? There's so many good places. Where is the best place in Bloomington to get a pizza? And maybe it's like homemade, I don't know. Maybe they're just making it at home, that's the best place. If so, invite me over. Best place for pizza. Now, I imagine, I imagine that there are as, as many answers and opinions to these questions as there are people in the room. Like, it just, it all depends. Like, how you answer those questions depend on, on so many things. It depends on uh, your, your likes and, and your preferences. Uh, it depends on your taste. Maybe how you answered those questions even depends on how you grew up or when you grew up. Like maybe you grew up in a family that always took vacations up to the mountains and you're like, I, I've seen them all. You've seen one mountain, you've seen them all. Give me the beach anytime. Uh, maybe if you grew up, if you grew up during the golden age of Hollywood, you, people would have a hard time convincing you that there is a better movie than Casablanca um, or, or Citizen Kane. If you grew up on Marvel movies, 
no one can tell you any different that, that Avengers Endgame is, is not the best movie that has ever created. Uh, if, if you are an 80s, 90 kid, um, like some of us in here, uh, maybe Cool Runnings is it for, for you? Um, I... I asked this question to, to David Shanka on Friday, like, hey, man, what, what's, your, what's the best movie ever made? And he's like, cool, running, stand down. I'm like, wow, that was like the most conviction I've ever heard about cool runnings, like just in general. <laughs> but he had a well-thought-out answer, and I, you know, he, might be, he might be right. If, if your college days were spent at IU and, and they were fueled by Mother Bear's Pizza, uh, you have a hard time believing that anything can, can be better. There are so many variables that influence how we would answer these, these questions. And that leads up to a lot of different opinions. And I think that the same is true about our topic today, which makes it a lot of fun to stand up here and preach about. Today, we are talking about baptism. Baptism. It's one of the most beautiful pictures and gifts that God has given the church. It, it is beautiful in, in what it recreates. It's a retelling of the gospel. Every time someone is baptized, they are retelling the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Baptism is beautiful because of what happens in that moment when someone enters into that watery grave and comes up to, to new life. Baptism is, is this beautiful, beautiful picture, but as beautiful as it is, it's also um, a source of confusion and, believe it or not, even a little bit of conflict too. And just like there are, are many opinions about the best movie of all time, the best vacation spot, the best ice cream, which we didn't even have time to get to today, there are just as many opinions about baptism as there are people in the room. And, and those opinions are formed uh, by many different things. They're formed by our experiences they're formed by maybe the church tradition that we grew up in. Our opinion about baptism might even have been informed by our, our grandma. And, and grandma was a saint. And so don't you dare, dare say that grandma was wrong about baptism. <laughs> As we talk about baptism today, our goal is not to understand what Sherwood Oaks believes. It's not to understand what I believe. It's not even to understand what Saint Grandma believes. Our goal is to understand and practice what the Bible believes. Like this, this is the final authority on, on all issues and especially on, on this one. And so as we dive in today, which um, kind of a pun intended because I've always wanted to do a baptism by like just jumping off of a diving board into baptize you. And then, uh, those are my student ministry days coming out there. But as we jump in, I want to start where Jesus started. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app, turn with me to Matthew chapter three. Matthew chapter three, we will start here and then we will jump around uh, a little bit. In Matthew's gospel, his kind of recount of the, the life and, and death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, his, his, his gospel actually starts and ends with Jesus talking about baptism. In fact, the very first red letter words in, in my Bible are Jesus talking about, about baptism. And the final words of Jesus in the book of Matthew is him talking about baptism. This seems kind of significant to me. 
In, in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes to be baptized in the Jordan River. And, and John uh, the Baptist is, is there and he is welcoming people from all over uh, to, to come into a baptism of repentance. To, to turn from the direction that they were going in life and start turning back to, to God. And John's kind of mission was to prepare the way for the Lord. Was to prepare, prepare the way for, for Jesus. And so he was preaching a baptism of repentance. And one day, Jesus comes to John and says, John, I want you to baptize me. And, and John said, are, are you kidding me? Like, you are the one who should baptize me. Look at what Jesus says in verse 15. He says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus says, John, you must baptize me because this is the right thing for me to do. Again, these are the very first recorded words of Jesus, not just in Matthew's gospel, but in the Bible. Talks about baptism. Flip over to the end of Matthew, chapter 28. Jesus is about ready to ascend and, and he is sending his his followers, his disciples off with kind of their mission and their ministry, the great commission. And this is what he says, starting in verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I think the reason why Jesus bookends his ministry by talking about baptism is because it is at the heart of the transformative work that he came to do in us. Baptism is at the heart of the transformative work that Jesus came to do in us and in our world. Jesus in, in the Great Commission says, go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when he, when he tells us this, he's not just giving us something to recite as we baptize. You know, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, it's greater than this. It, Jesus is talking about a transfer of ownership. This was, this was a legal term that was talking about ownership being under someone's name. In fact, even today when we ask, hey, who owns that property? We give the name of the person who owns it. And Jesus is saying that when we are baptized, we are proclaiming that we're coming underneath new ownership. That, that the old ownership just wasn't cutting it. And so they had to fire that person and hire Jesus. They sold the business. Bap businesses put out a sign, Christians get baptized. It is this public statement that says the person who used to be in control here, that person is dead and gone and the new ownership is here. Last Sunday, there was a, a young man who worshiped with us at our 11 o'clock service uh, who was in my very first youth ministry back in like the early, early uh, two, 2000s. Uh, I did a part-time youth ministry as I rounded off college uh, at Shackamack Community Church. If you've ever been to Shackamack State Park, uh, you're going through Jasonville 48. There's this little red brick church that's on the right. That, that was the, the first ministry where I ever uh, got to serve. And uh, Josh showed up at one of our programs one night, uh, not because he was spiritually curious or even interested in things of church, 
Josh showed up that night because his sister had started dating a guy in our youth ministry and he wanted to like make sure that he was okay. Like he was protecting his, his sister, which I mean, man, kudos to, to him for doing that. So as, as, he, as he sat there in our program, the first handful of times, he was pretty disinterested and, and disengaged. He just kind of stood off to the side, but eventually I, I watched as the walls started coming down with Josh and, and he started asking some spiritual questions. We started um, talking through his, his doubts and we just kind of developed uh, this relationship where he felt comfortable talking about some of these things with me. And eventually he got to the point where he said, I think I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready to start following Jesus. I'm ready to, to get baptized. And seeing him that day just brought back all of those memories. And what I love about Josh's story is that almost immediately, everything in him began to change. The things that Josh used to value and prioritize in his life all of a sudden became less important. He had truly come underneath new ownership and everyone could could see it. His friends, his family. I I remember having a conversation with his mom shortly after um, his baptism and, and she was like, what in the world happened to my son? And that's what it means to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is coming under new ownership. It is dying to our old selves and and experiencing the resurrection life of Jesus. Where everything that we have done, all of our past and all of our future sins have been washed away and we are a new creation in Jesus. It is surrendering ourselves to him. And saying, man, I am not perfect. I don't have it all together. (laughs) That's why I'm getting baptized. But I'm committed to following Jesus. And people say, man, baptism is good, but but is it really necessary? And I'd point to the book of Matthew and I'd say, it is always necessary to imitate Jesus and obey what he commands. it's, It's always necessary to imitate Jesus and obey what he commands. Jesus was baptized because it was good and right for him to do, which means it's probably good and right for us to do. And and baptism was part of his marching orders that he sent us out with as a church. And so Jesus made a big deal about baptism. And so we want to make a big deal about baptism. Even the early church made a big deal about it. If you have your Bibles open, flip over to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it's the, the day of Pentecost, which actually falls on today uh, in, in the church calendar. And the disciples are in the upper room. We kind of talked about this a little bit last week. They are, are praying. They are waiting on the, the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to come and, and fill them. And they weren't quite sure what all of this meant, but they were about ready to experience the full power of it here. And at the beginning of Acts chapter two, they are, they are praying, they're gathered together, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes just pouring on to them. They go out into the streets, they start sharing about Jesus, they, they, they start um, speaking to people in their, their native language, or at least they were hearing their words in their native language, however all of that worked. And most people were amazed and maybe even a little bit confused by what was happening. Some people thought that the disciples had been day drinking and they had had a little bit too much and Peter finally got up where everyone could hear him and, and literally was like, hey, we're not drunk, all right? Like this is the Holy Spirit at work and he preaches the very first gospel message 
He weaves together the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And when he gets to the end, people were convicted and they were cut to the heart. And they asked the apostles, brothers, what must we do to be saved? Brothers, what shall we do now? How can we be saved from our guilt and from our sin? How can we be united with this risen Jesus and follow him? What must we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. There's that phrase again, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the, the crowd says, Peter, we believe. We, we don't have all of the answers. We, we certainly don't have all of our act together, but we believe in what you just preached, and we want to start following Jesus. Where do we start? And Peter says, listen, you, you have been walking in the opposite direction of God. It's time to turn and start walking towards him. That's repentance doesn't mean that there won't be times where you turn and you start walking back, but it is this commitment that every time I'm going to start turning and I'm going to walk towards Jesus. And then he says, be baptized into him. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Place yourself underneath this new ownership. And when you do, all of your past sins will be forgiven. All of your future sins have already been taken care of. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit just like we have. And I love what he says in verse 39. He says, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Peter is saying this gift of salvation and grace is for everyone. There are no limits to God's grace. God invites all people, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, God invites all people to be a part of his family, young, old, rich, poor, those who are near and those who are far off. Anyone who believes and turns to Jesus and is baptized in him can find new life and fresh start. And, and Luke summarizes what happens for us next in verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. On the day of Pentecost, this day that we celebrate today on the church calendar is the day that the church was born and it was made up of people who are still wet from the waters that they just came out of. And the rest of Acts is like a photo album of the church's infant years. And one of the pictures that we kind of keep seeing pop up over and over is baptism. We see it in, in Acts 2, the, the passage that we just looked at, 3,000 are saved. We see it in, in Acts chapter 8. The, the, an Ethiopian was, 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 was traveling along and he was reading from, from the prophet Isaiah and he's, he doesn't understand what he's reading and, and Philip comes alongside of him and explains it to him and he talks about baptism and the Ethiopian is like, look, there's water. Why not get baptized right now? And they stopped and they baptized him. In Acts chapter 8 and, and 9, Saul, uh, he, he's been persecuting the church. Jesus meets him where he is. Saul turns his life and, and, and he says, go find a man named Ananias. And so he goes and he finds Ananias. And Ananias, the first thing he tells Saul is it's time to get baptized. And so he baptizes him and Saul, this persecutor of the church, becomes Paul, one of the greatest missionaries of all the time who ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. 
In Acts chapter 16, we're introduced to a lady named Lydia, who is the first uh, Christian in Europe. She, she, she is baptized into Christ, her and her family. A church starts in her home. And part of that church was a jailer that we're introduced to later on in Acts chapter 16, who witnessed and saw the power of God. And the disciples went to his home, they preached the gospel to him, and he and his entire family were baptized. Like in each of these cases, baptism is a faith response to the gospel. Someone hears the good news. They believe that Jesus lived and died for their sin and that he lives again and that they can be forgiven and that now he offers them new life and they respond by believing and by being baptized. Throughout the New Testament, these two things just go hand in hand. Belief, baptism, belief, baptism, belief, baptism. In fact, you look throughout the rest of the New Testament and you'll find that there is no such thing as an unbaptized believer. Once the church gets started in the book of Acts and they are living in the new covenant, everyone who makes a decision to follow Jesus is immediately baptized. And it's not the ritual that saves. There is no magic in the water. It's the relationship with Jesus and the commitment to follow him. In a way, baptism to a believer is like a wedding in a marriage. It's a way of entering into this covenant relationship. It wasn't an additional step that they had to take to earn their salvation. It was an expression of the faith that only the gospel saves and I need it. I need that grace. The act of baptism is a confession of faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and that through him, God made a way for our sin debt to be canceled. And we are, when we are baptized and we enter into that watery grave, we are saying the old is dead and gone and we are raised up to new life and new ownership with a fresh start. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Colossians 2, 12. He says, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. All of this happens not because you were baptized, but because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. I believe the act of baptism does not save us. Baptism, baptism apart from faith, is just taking a bath. <laughs> when our girls were younger, uh, and they were asking a lot about baptism and, and, and you know, saying, Daddy, Daddy, when, when can we be baptized? When can we be baptized? Only they, they, didn't, they couldn't quite make the baptized word. And so they just kind of shortened it and it was baptized. Um, daddy, tell us, what is baptism? When can, we, when can we get baptized, Daddy? And I would say, well, um, when you start pronouncing the word correctly, then we can talk. Um, <laughs> when can we ba be baptized? When can we be baptized? And, and I think of that in, in, in light of this, that, that baptism without faith, it really is just taking a bath. But when you have faith in the saving power of Jesus and are buried with him in the water, you are raised to new life with him. Baptism is one of the most beautiful practices that God has given the church. It is beautiful for what it represents. It is beautiful in the gospel that it recreates. And it is beautiful because of what happens in that moment when you step into it. And if you're ready to take that step today, then we're ready for you.
I'm inviting you right now to be baptized if you are ready. And you might think, well, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Like my faith isn't, isn't strong. Man, that doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of you. Other believers come alongside of you. And there is a process of helping you grow in your faith. If there's an inkling of faith inside of you that thinks, I think I believe this and I know what I need saved from, and today is the day to take that step. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have a change of clothes, so I can't do that. We have clothes of all size for you to change into. Ah, oh, but I didn't bring a towel. We've got lots of towels. And listen, we'll even do the laundry for you, all right? <laughs> You may think, well, I don't know that I want to get up in front of all of these people. And man, let me just address that for a little bit. And I understand it can be intimidating. Trust me, I understand. <laughs> but what I tell people is that getting baptized in front of a church family or in front of a gathering of people is your opportunity to preach the gospel for the very first time. And you don't even have to use words. Just reenacting the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and saying, I believe in this, is preaching a gospel message that is the best sermon, one, that you could ever preach, and two, that anyone in here could ever hear. They would much rather hear you preach that sermon than me preach this one, all right? So that's not an excuse. And number two, getting baptized where people can witness and celebrate that joy with you, it reminds us of the gospel that saved us and our need to be saved continually by Jesus. And number three, you may be the one, you may be the one that sparks someone else in here who's on the fence to say, man, if they can do it, I can do it too. So whatever excuses you may be thinking of right now, I'm just gonna pray that God will squelch all of those and that today will be the day that you lay them aside and you take that step of faith and you come running to Jesus. You enter into his life, death, and resurrection, into a saving relationship with him, and you begin to follow him today. And so if you believe that God loves you, that Jesus wants to rescue you from your sin and shame, and you are ready to start following him, today is the day. We have everything that you need, and we'd love to celebrate your new life with you right now. And as you ponder taking that step of faith, I'm going to go and take my own step of faith and get changed and get into those waters. And I'll be ready for you if you're ready to start following him. Why don't you stand with me? I'll pray. And then Quentin will share a little bit more about how we can respond at this moment. Father, thank you so much for this gift and this, this beautiful picture of baptism that recreates what Jesus came to do for us. And that through his life, death, and resurrection, we can be forgiven, we can be set free. And so Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, that if there's anyone in here today that is pondering this decision, if they're wondering, is today the day, God, give them the courage and give them the strength to take that step and come running to you to find new life and a fresh start. God, have your way in this moment as we respond to you in whatever way you are calling us to. In Jesus' name. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.